Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Welcome to the show, my friend. On this episode, we are joined by a timeless artist, a songwriter and singer of soulful songs. Pam Tillis has released more than a dozen acclaimed albums. She sold more than 7 million copies, and many of her songs are instantly recognizable. She's also performed countless concerts and is a member of the Grand Old Opry. Her 2020 album is entitled Looking for a Feeling. Pam Tillis is an icon. Marty Stewart called her an American original. It's a great honor. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Paul. I'm glad to be with you. It's an honor. You know, I was listening to a lot of your music over the last few days, and it's it's interesting to me that a lot of times you hear just a couple of notes, and immediately you know, like, I thought, okay, I know this song. You really have one of those one-of-a-kind voices. Pam, why do you sing? Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you you go right there, don't you? That's a great question. And, and uh, I started singing as a little girl. I grew up surrounded by music. And um, I really think it's the environment that I was, you know, born into. My dad, my dad, Mel Tillis, was in, when I was a baby, he was in the most creative, fertile time creatively. And he was always singing around the house and writing songs. And he'd come in in the middle of the night and play his new demo. And I just heard so much music. And other than the music that my dad brought into the house, you know, there was the music on television, the, the great old movies, things that we watched as a kid, Wizard of Oz and Doris Day as Tammy and, you know, these classic songs, Sound of Music. And just as a little kid, I was, I just, I just, I tuned right into music. It was, it was a part of me. Just in that list of songs that you mentioned just there, they're just in that variety of artists, Doris Day to the music from uh, the soundtrack of The Sound of Music. That's a lot of genres. And I'm just curious, was there any question in your mind when you started to record yourself about what genre you wanted to go to? As you mentioned, your father being the great Mel Tillis, and you listening to it all, was there any question about what genre you wanted to go into? You know, at at the uh, writers, there was a funny timing for me as a as a young woman and somebody that was wanting to get into the music business. Dad was at the peak of his career in a lot of ways, and maybe not in all ways, but certainly he was at the peak of his career in terms of being out there on movies and television and, and on the radio. And he had won Entertainer of the Year the year that I graduated from high school and was really already, you know, starting to sing and write songs and thinking about becoming an artist myself. And um, I was questioning whether, if I went into country music, whether I could come out from underneath his shadow. Because that can be a difficult thing. It really can. 
And I thought, well, you know, I love all the, I love all these different types of music. Maybe I'll go off and sing jazz a little while, or, or maybe I'll be a pop artist, or maybe I'll be a folk singer. You know, I, I just, I, I, I kind of went through a period of time for, for several years where I tried on a lot of different hats, you know, I wrote a lot of different types of songs and I was in different types of bands and I really just kind of took my time figuring out who I was before I decided that, you know, for better or for worse, I was going to be, you know, I was going to make my stand as a country artist. And uh, yeah, that's the way it went down. It was, it was a little bit of a, uh, it was, I took the long way home. Let's put it that way. <laughs> that title song, the the title of this new album, "Looking for a Feeling," it almost sounds like something Dusty Springfield would have sung. I mean that as a compliment. So tell us about that song, the the title song of this record. Well, we chose it for the title track because it kind of has a little. The title of that song has a, a double meaning if you think about it as an al- album title the album's really eclectic and so it's like it kind of talks about uh as an album title it points to the fact that i was in search of a i, I had to go looking for this one you know i there again i kind of i went through a lot of changes during the make of the making of this album i lost my uh, daddy passed away and and my mother got very sick and it was a challenging time. So the whole time I was, all that was going on, I was trying to be creative and, and put an album together. So thinking back to all the influences in my life, musical influences, and that, that was very much, you know, me looking for a feeling like, what was my next album going to feel like, you know? But the song itself is um, a song I wrote with Waylon Payne. It was also kind of another country music second generation. His mother uh, was Sammy Smith. And we'd never written together before. It's the only song we'd written, but uh, I just, I don't know. It just kind of happened, you know. I just started thinking, okay, I'm really going to throw you in, in on this one because talk about different genres. Remember the old Lou Reed song, Walk on the Wild Side? Oh, Yeah. You know, I love the way that song, I'd always been fascinated with that song. And, you know, they just kind of describe these characters in the song. And then there's a chorus. (laughs) And I love that. And I thought, well, I want to write a country version of Walk on the Wild Side. And and it is it is kind of that, you know, and it's about all these characters that are kind of in an unsatisfactory place in their life. You know, something is missing. They're kind of spiritually adrift, and they're looking for that something to fill that void, you know. And sometimes, as human beings, they pick the wrong things. But it, but the song is about we're all human, and we're that's how we. That's actually not a bad thing. That's actually how we stumble on the truth is by trying to find that, you know, find that what feels right. You know, sometimes it leads us down wrong paths, but sometimes it leads leads us to what's right so but the whole song is just about not judging people and yeah it's kind of it's got a lot of layers <laughs> hmm. as i'm talking about it i i can guarantee it's got a lot of layers
Sisters on the sidewalk listening to the devil's lies Brothers on the mountaintop trying to get wise Looking for a feeling Looking for a feeling There's a man in a cubbyhole dying to get rich Woman in a motel room with a seven-year itch Looking for a feeling Looking for a feeling wrong Oh, we all get high and low Turning over every stone Looking for a feeling How important do you think it is to be in touch with your emotions if you're a songwriter and a singer? Well, I think it would be the same for any artist anybody who's trying to express something creatively that moves somebody else, if you're not moved by what you're talking about, you really can't expect to move anybody else. And so I think it's, I think they really, it's really, you know, there's a thing that I have thought about a lot and and it's the fact that it's kind of hard you almost can't shut down selectively. You know, you can't shut your emotions down selectively. It's it's hard to shut down some emotions and let the other ones be okay, you know. So as an artist, you kind of got to be in touch with all of them or, you're, or what you're trying to do won't be completely expressed. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's not easy. That's why a lot of us are kind of crazy, you know, because you do have to be vulnerable and... And and be willing, like, you know, if you're a if you're a shoe salesman, you don't have to go get in touch with your emotions every day on the job. But as a songwriter, that is your job. You know, you sit down with your guitar and you've got to go deep, and and that's uh, not always an easy thing. Would you say that there is a songwriter, or maybe a couple songwriters, that you have learned the most from? Not in particular, but, you know, I would have to go back to the, I, I think you take a, li- a little bit away from from anybody that, you know, I think songwriters are all, all, all artists are always analyzing, like, you know, I might listen to a Bruce Springsteen song, song and go, why is that so awesome? Or I might listen to a Steve Earle song or, a, you know, or, or a you know, or a song of my dad's and I'm like, you know, and, and you kind of try to break it down. And sometimes it's indefinable. It's just that extra little something that, you know, songwriting geniuses have, but, but you do, you try to break it down and, and, um, and, and take away something that you can use in your own little toolbox. There's a very interesting song that you cover on this album, Dark Turn of Mind. Do you know in an instant when you hear a song that that's something you would like to record or perform? You know, I can't remember if 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 that was 
that just went in my let me let me go back and say sometimes you do. This album I just had a whole bunch of songs on the table. And then they just kind of the ones that were supposed to be in the album just gradually made their way to the top, you know. It just kind of was a process of elimination. But but I but I loved the song immediately and what really intrigued me was uh, the idea of taking it someplace differently musically. And so she recorded that in Walt. This is really old-fashioned way to put it. In Walt's time, as in three-quarter time, and for people that know about music, it's just a totally different beat than what I did with it. And I, I made it an old, uh, kind of inspired by, you know, my dad was a shuffle master. He was known for some really great honky-tonk shuffles, and uh, I wanted to do something like that, and, and I could hear this song going that way. So we kind of changed changed the feel of it up, and uh, it was fun to do that. It, it doesn't always work, <laughs> but in this case, I think it did. And um, That's a great Gilliam Welch, Dave Rawlins song. The way the album closes, the, the song Burning Star... I saw that you, uh, one of the co-writers on it is your brother. Yes, we've we've written, through the years, we've written quite a bit together, and he's really talented. He's just talented all the way around, but he's a really great songwriter. Is it easier to write with someone that you're, that, that's your brother? You know, in some ways, it really is, because... We share a lot of the same sensibilities, you know, what we've been exposed to, what we grew up listening to, and our sense of humor and the way we uh, just, yeah, a lot of the same influences. So we tend to agree more than we disagree. Hmm. Well, I thought we would play an excerpt of that song. This is Burning Star from the Pam Tillis album, Looking for a feeling. Wind and rain and moving mountains. Can you feel the shifting ground? Lay with me in a bit of ashes. Oh, 
it all been carved in stone? Are we all just waiting here for someone to take us home? Hard to figure what things are the way they are. All that I know is we're living on a pebble by a bird. It was kind of interesting. The other day, I was looking through my record, my vinyl collection, and I saw your name. It popped out. I didn't know that you had sung as a backup vocalist on the album Last Mango in Paris, the Jimmy Buffett album. And I'm wondering about those experiences that you have had working as a session artist. Would you say that that has helped you in making your own records, or how how did that kind of inform you? Well, I was a studio singer for a long time. Gosh, about 10, 11 years before I got my own deal going as an artist. You know, so I had a lot of experience in the studio. I felt really at home, and you have to have really good chops when, <laughs> when you're singing as a session singer, because you have to be fast, and you have to learn fast. and so I came in with that skill set, and, and I had already for 10 years been working with so many of the top 18 sessions that I later, uh, the 18 session guys that I later on started working on my records with. And so it was great. I, it, it was just a, a really smooth transition, and, and it, it just felt, it just felt, you know, it wasn't like being a new artist and you're making a record for the first time and then all of a sudden you're nerve you know, you're nervous. I didn't have that. It was just like joy. <laughs> just sheer joy. And it's like walk on the floor of the recording session for your first record and it's like there's all your old friends, you know, so it was cool. In addition to the songs that you've recorded yourself, there have been other artists who have done Pam Tillis compositions. Who would you say has done the best job at interpreting something that you co-wrote or wrote? Uh, well, there's been a couple of cuts that I really liked. I did a, wrote a song called Going to Work that Martina McBride covered, and she did a great job of it. And Daddy actually recorded one of my songs called Some Mistakes. And, of course, I just loved hearing my dad sing one of my songs. That was pretty darn cool. Those are probably my top favorites. I should note here, I had the opportunity at one point to interview Bruce Hornsby, and I asked him about who has done the best job interpreting something that he wrote, and he gave you a mention for your cover of Mandolin Rain. That's, you know, I just recently heard that. <laughs> uh, I was real happy with that. I was I was I was really excited to hear that. <laughs> when somebody listens to this album looking for a feeling, aside from just the enjoyment of listening to the music, is there something in particular that you're hoping that the listener gets from the experience? You know what what somebody takes away from an album, that's a um that's a hard thing to it's it's also subjective. You you never know what somebody's gonna. I mean, I've had people tell me other works of mine have been 
impact, you know, affected them in all different kinds of ways. And so I think this record's no different. You just never know that how it's going to connect. And uh, on this album, especially, that's very eclectic. There's kind of like people are gravitating towards different songs. And that'd be really hard. I don't kind of impose my will on the audience like that. I just kind of, you know, put out things that I find that the more personal you create, you know, the more personal space you create from, the more personal it, it seems to be for the people on the other side of that, you know, the people listening. And so uh, I'll, I just hope that they, you know, my honesty and introspection encourages them to have their own, you know, uh, be in touch with their own interior feelings, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Hmm. Searching. I just hope they, I just hope, you know, and at the bottom line, you hope listening to something somehow makes somebody feel better. Even if it's a blues song, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's a sad song, you just want people to, to get some kind of, uh, I think music is, there's a song on the record called My Kind of Medicine. And I think music is medicine. Well put. <laughs> Well, what would you say is the best compliment that you've received as an artist? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's a lot of different moments. One is looking out into the audience and seeing a, a, seeing a crowd sing words that you wrote, you know. One day you're in a little bitty office and drinking a bunch of coffee and struggling to find just the right words over your little yellow legal pad and the next day you're at a big festival and there's you know 20,000 people singing back to you what you wrote and that that's an amazing feeling and and I mean I've had some incredible things like I've, I've had letters saying you know my kid is uh, my child is autistic but when we put your music on you know it, they go crazy they love it or some Somebody was in a coma, and that was the first thing they responded to. Or, or I fell in love to your song, and it just like it's just that kind of feedback is expressed. It comes back at you in myriad ways, and I guess there's no one particular moment that that I could uh, put my finger on that means more than another. But it's all incredible to be able to to you know from one from my heart to be able to connect with other hearts out there. You just mentioned a second ago performing. When you go out on stage, what what does that feel like from your perspective? Is there any nerves or is it something you're completely at ease with? What's it like? You know, through the years I have suffered from a certain amount of stage fright, even though I've wanted to I, even though I love it, it's a real weird conflict, interior conflict, how it, you can have both of those things be true. You want to do it, but it scares you to death. But but mostly I'm over the worst part of that. I still get nervous for certain things, make me more nervous than others. You know, television kind of, live TV is kind of scary. You know, uh, if if the sound isn't, you know, Mostly anything that throws me these days is if something technical goes wrong. But I think I've learned to handle it a lot more gracefully. But, uh, you know, 
for the most part now, I just, uh, after 30 years of doing it, I, I just, I feel, I like where I'm at with it now. I feel pretty confident most, most days. <laughs> with all the time that we're living in with the isolation, I suppose that your hobby of gardening comes in handy. Yeah. Have you had a lot of time? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't the last few years, and uh, this summer, I've really come back. <laughs> I made my big comeback as a gardener. <laughs> it's so nurturing to me and, and therapeutic, and uh, I, I love it. I could do it. I could do it a lot. I have to sometimes remind myself that, oh, yes, I've got to go in and do an interview, or I've got to <laughs> edit this video, or I've got to, you know, get into the studio. It's, uh, I just... I'm a little bit like a kid with that. I just want to be outside all the time. If I could figure out how to do... Actually, I'm talking to you on my porch, so I'm getting the best of both worlds right now. <laughs> I thought that's where you might have been. I I can hear every now and then this beautiful sound of... of it sounds like birds chirping. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's really nice out here. And you had uh, the American Rose Society. They they named uh, the, the Pam Tillis Rose. Yeah, there's a rose and and there's a daylily and it's kind of it's a pretty neat honor. When you think of all of the experiences that you've gotten to have, and just the ability to to write songs, record, perform at places like the Grand Ole Opry and other places, what would you say, all in all, is the best thing about being Pam Tillis? Oh, wow. That's a hard thing to put in. That's not your average everyday garden variety interview question. So I think the best thing about being me is really the best thing about, I don't think it has to do with a career. Mm -hmm. I think it has to do with the same thing. That's the best thing for any, any human being. And it's just the ability to get, give and receive love. And that's the best thing about being me is uh, I, I try to give it and I've certainly been blessed with it. So, um, you know, friendship, family, and I will include the audience, you know, uh, your, your people that appreciate what you do and, and uh, my coworkers and all of that. I mean, really, that's, that's what life is about is just what we get from each other. What a great answer. Well, thank you. I, I think, and I think, you know, at this period of time when we're all going through this, we realize that now more than ever, you know, the time that we're not getting to be with each other, it really makes you appreciate when we are. So I'm pretty in touch with that right now. <laughs> I really am. Oh, yeah, me too. R really, it really makes you think about, about maybe... I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but maybe about times where I uh, would take for granted human connection. Oh, absolutely. Oh, definitely. You know, like, oh, I'll call that person tomorrow. Or I'll see them next week or, or I'll go visit so-and-so, you know, in a few months. And like, no, now, now, when we can get back to now, <laughs> <laughs> It'll be really nice when we can just go, okay, I'm going to 
you know, because that really is a pri- You just realize your priorities can get pretty out of whack. Oh, yeah. Well, I want everyone out there, please check out the newest album from Pam Tillis, Looking for a Feeling. I'd also invite you to go to pamtillis.com. Pam Tillis, thank you very much for being with me. Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm glad you love the album. And, and um, thank, you know, we're not getting to tour to promote it, so I'm really happy to get to let uh, letting everybody know that it's out there. Um, so, yeah, and, and uh, thank you for asking some very insightful questions. <laughs> My pleasure. It was like free therapy. It was like free therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I've had people say that to me. <laughs> Well, I, I did owe that, yeah. What'd you say? I said I did owe that emotion. <laughs> well, in closing, do you have anything you'd like to say to everyone out there? Totally open-ended. Doesn't have to be about music. Anything at all. Oh, oh yeah, you know, um, just I'm sending my love out and, and to everybody that out there that's a fan that um, might have been thinking about coming to a show this this year, uh, we'll be back as soon as we can. I'm, 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 uh, not liking that as much as you are. And, um, you know, it's uh, sad that we've had to cancel a, a lot of the shows, but we are rescheduling shows. So that's a good thing. And they can check out what I'm doing on my socials, you know, all of that. And, uh, just hope everybody stays, stays safe, you know, and, uh, cause, uh, we're not out of the woods yet. It's, it's better than it was, but I'm hoping everybody, is smart and stay safe and uh, that's it yeah just wishing everybody uh, a great weekend amen oh happy memorial day coming up so oh yeah happy memorial day <laughs> but uh, thanks paul and anytime anytime you got something you want to yak about you know how to find me i appreciate that where where are you based out? Where are you based out of? I am just north of Atlanta. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Is that near Hiawassee? You know where Hiawassee is? Uh, it's not far from Hiawassee, actually. Not that far, no. Yeah. Uh, you don't hear people mention Hiawassee, Georgia, every day. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, there's a great, there's a really great venue there. Oh that yeah. That we played through the years. Yeah. Oh, I've been there. Yeah. Oh, I know people in Buford. I've played Buford. Where in Buford? Uh, there's a theater there. Yeah, there's a, a, I think it's called the Garnet Theater or the, yeah, that sounds right, something like that. Huh. Well, well, they were they were actually trying to book me for a show this year, so if I, uh, if, uh, you know, hopefully. <laughs> yeah. If if that gets rescheduled, I will see you there. Okay, that sounds great. <laughs> you take care now. Thank you so much. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band. Written by Irving Berlin. Performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.